0: You're listening to Call to Homeschool, episode number 95, Tips for Helping Kids with Anxiety. This is your manual to becoming the amazing homeschool mom you were called to be. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are here with my husband, Rich Tripp, today. And we are going to be talking about some tips for helping kids with anxiety. Um, This is a subject that I know a lot of people struggle with. And he works commonly, regularly with people that have this issue. So we're going to let him give us some of his wisdom today. And uh, we're excited to have you here. Happy to help. Thanks for helping us out. Um, So what are some... Some of your best tips. What? Share your wisdom. Share my wisdom. <laughs> yes.
1: Can I go based on your questions that yeah, you yeah, got yeah. here? Okay. We're gonna cheat here a little bit. I've got some she, notes she's for got him. Some, notes.
0: some things that I wondered about.
1: One of the first questions that she brought up, or or has on here, and I think it's a great question that a lot of parents might have, um, are common types of anxiety. What kind of things can maybe set kids off? And I would start probably talking about more of a general sense in terms of anxiety you know what is causing the anxiety and typically nine times out of ten I would say it's one of two things or maybe a combination of both of those the first would be situational factors things that are happening around them or how children are perceiving what's going on um, in their world and what's happening there and then sometimes you get the biological factors you know if there's a family history of anxiety then there there just may be a genetic predisposition to being anxious and and so that anxiety may just come out of nowhere things might be great in their lives but they just continue to experience that anxiety and so usually um, it falls into one of those two things um, and and oftentimes it is a combination if you're predisposed to anxiety, you know, they're going to be situational things that trigger you a lot more often.
0: Now, that's interesting. I think a lot of just the life in general right now, there's a lot of situational things happening that are leading kids to feel a lot more anxiety, you know, with the, the things going on in the world around them with the virus and the fear of strangers and people right now. I think a lot of kids are afraid to go places and be around people. Um, And also, you know, the constant mask wearing. And, you know, there's just so many things right now that are heightening people's anxiety and not just kids. I'll say mine and probably yours as well. Oh, you know, my anxiety (laughs) I know his anxiety has. Um,
1: Yeah, this pandemic has been particularly difficult um, just in terms of, I think, for a lot of people and and children, you know, they're still paying attention. They're very sensitive to what's Mm -hmm. going on. But, you know, you turn on any number of news outlets and you're getting, you know, disagreeing research and, you know, we really don't know everything that's mm-hmm. going on all of the time. And, and that can, you know, that unknown definitely creates a lot of worry and, yeah. and can create a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And you also partner that with the, um, the fact that for the longest time we shut kids down and away from those things that naturally helped them to cope with anxiety, mm-hmm. sports, uh, mm-hmm social situations, being able to get out with friends, sometimes work. Um, and then you have families who've lost jobs, you know, the parents have lost jobs and, and maybe homes and certain things like that. Well, and so we've we been really able to are,
0: see so many of our family members right now. Yeah. Not seeing we're family secluded members away from people we love. Yeah.
1: So you've got a lot of things that can definitely be triggering. And those obviously are the situational factors yeah. um, th- that I would You know that i talked about previously yeah so
0: So how do you know if a child's anxiety is serious enough to seek medical help or therapy or things like that
1: so that's a great question that comes up um, so often whether it's anxiety whether it's depression um, and the way that when we diagnose first of all you have to fit certain symptoms and have you know a number of those symptoms to meet the diagnostic criteria for adhd not ADHD, I do so much with ADHD, anxiety, <laughs> ADHD, any any kind of uh, <laughs> mental illness. But but one of the more subjective things that we talk about is what impact it's having, uh, whether it's educational, family, social, you know, again, for adults, it may be occupational. Mm-hmm. And if it's causing, and it, it just is kind of this more subjective, is it causing significant distress in those areas? Um, that's always... I mean, that would help them meet the, the diagnostic criteria for whatever they're experiencing, but also would probably be a pretty good indicator of being able to get in and get some help. Um, it's always, you know, it's always great to get therapy. If, if your family is predisposed to having anxiety, you know, if mom and dad have anxiety and older siblings have anxiety, you know, the chances are good that there's probably this genetic or biological component. And that would be um, a good time. You probably would still want to talk with a mental health professional and, and get a diagnosis, but also talking with a pediatrician or a doctor because in that case, medication can often be helpful mm-hmm. in, in those situations. So,
0: um, how about in like school situations? Like, you know, this is a homeschool podcast, so. Mm-hmm. So for you know, for me, for my kids, sometimes when they have heightened anxiety, they struggle with focusing on their assignments or things stress them out a little more easily. Um, I don't know what are what are some tips you have in that area.
1: So I would say whether it's in homeschool in or whatever situation you're in, if we think about anxiety, anxiety at a basic level is based in fear, and so for again. It, for talking about situational things, um, a lot of that anxiety is caused because there's some sort of perceived threat that that child is experiencing. You know, is the world going to collapse? Am I going to get the coronavirus and die? Am I, you know, whatever it is, th- there may be some perceived threat. You know, did my, Brother ruined the lunch that I wanted to have, and now I'm really frustrated. And there's this <laughs> That's huge. That's happening
0: upstairs in our house right now.
1: <laughs> um, so you know, with all of us, we we have these perceptions and these perceived threats, and we've got to understand that when the body perceives a threat, it automatically goes into fight or flight mode. You start getting your a racing heart. Your breathing is shallow and it speeds up. You get muscle tension and you, and there's really, I mean, your body is just going through all of this physiological change trying to protect you because instinctually that's what it does, but there's no outlet for it sometimes. And so one of the, you know, the common things that we do and they're so cliche in therapy, but they're cliche because they work, um, deep breathing. If you can get them to just take some deep breaths and just kind of calm that that heartbeat down, slow their breathing down a little bit, help them find a way to get out. You know, if they need to go run around in the snow barefoot <laughs> for 15 minutes. No, don't send them out don't barefoot. <laughs> but, you know, if they need to just go outside and do some circles around the house or something like that. Something to help them get that nervous energy out, then, you know, a lot of times they're much better able to be in a place where you can start talking to them about their perception of what's going on. Oftentimes we try to be like, oh, well, don't worry about this. And don't worry about that. And try to like cognitively talk them through things. But if you're in fight or flight, and this is children or adults, your brain is not wired at that point to be sitting there going, huh? Yeah, I should think about this logically. If you're walking through the forest and a bear is coming after you, you're not sitting there going, huh, what am I going to have for lunch today? wonder how much that bear weighs. How many pounds per square inch is he going to bite me with those jaws? We don't think that way. We just, we're trying to get out of whatever that situation is. And so we don't have that deeper cognitive ability to kind of work through those things. And children don't have that all too much, even when they're feeling calm, but that's where we, as parents can, can help them kind of work through those thoughts. Well, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid the world's going to end. Well, let's talk about where we are right now, and you know how are we doing as a family and as as a home, and you know, just helping them see the truth of of what's going on in life. Sometimes it is hard, and sometimes it's challenging, but other times you can you can talk to them, talk to them about you know the truth of what's happening, and help them be able to hold on to that and calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember so, at the beginning of the virus last year our littlest, she would have been six then was afraid every time we left the house, just, she was so afraid that we would get sick and die every time any of us left the house. And, and I'm sure that that was a real and, you know, terrifying thing to her that, um, our discussions probably didn't help the matter, you know, cause we were afraid and we didn't know what was going on. And there were just so many things to worry about during that time. And, and the extra cleaning and the extra steps of everything we were doing were new and different and scary to her. And, um, I think she's gotten through those fears now, but
1: well, and we've calmed down too. We,
0: we have, yeah, we have, but yeah, that was a big, a big yeah. thing for her. And, um, so, so tips you say deep breathing, deep um, breathing exercise or something physical to get them out
1: younger kids i'll have them i'll say shake off your fear and i just let them shake their body you know Mm -hmm. roll your shoulder i mean they can look like they're having a seizure on the floor Mm -hmm. in fact that's what tantrums are a lot of times too you know that their body is naturally you know finding ways to get that energy and that muscle tension out and and so we don't love it in tantrums because usually it's embarrassing and it's in the middle of Walmart when you don't buy them a toy or whatever it is, <laughs> but but it, it, it's still that same physiological response. And so if we can find ways to help them get that mm-hmm. out, that's, that's good. And, and, talking then, him through, and then talk to them about it. Him. But it really needs to be in that order. If you're trying to talk them through stuff when they're in that state of, that heightened state of arousal, you're not going to get very mm-hmm. far. So
0: I think that, is really wise advice. He's, he's always so good with my kids, our kids when, um, when they're in an emotional state and I, I don't always handle it as well. I'm just like, ah, oh, I just walk away and leave him to scream in their room or whatever. And he'll come in and within seconds, he's so good at just having my typically my girls calm down and talking where like I've spent hours trying to calm them down. And I remember Elsie, when she was little where it was often that way where he'd come home from work and I'm like, I don't know, she's in the room screaming and kicking the door for like two hours. It had been. And within seconds, he's just like, Oh, well, we're chatting and we're happy. And I'm like, what do you do? He's magic.
1: <laughs> well,
0: He's magic. No. I don't know about magic,
1: but I also wasn't home with him all day long too. Yeah, that's so, true. That probably makes a big difference. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So any other tips or advice or any other thoughts here that you think would be good for parents that are struggling through this with their kids right
1: now? So I think we've covered like a lot of, you know, just kind of some basic things that you can mm-hmm. do with um, general anxiety Some of the common mental traps that I see children, individuals, everybody get caught up in that can lead to anxiety are things like negatively predicting the future. It's really easy to come up with a lot of what ifs. You know, what if the plane we're about to get on to crashes? You know, I actually worked with a kid whose family had to cancel their trip to Hawaii because he threw such a big fit. Mm -hmm. He couldn't get, he wouldn't get onto the airplane. I've heard things like, what if? I get abducted by aliens and, you know, and these children are legitimately worried and and anxious about these things, but we can kind of help them work through that and be like, okay, there are a lot of what ifs, but let's talk about what is going on right now. And let's focus on that. And if there are any challenges, we're going to be okay. And, you know, this is what we're going to do to get through it. Um, Another mental trap is that uh, we often have a tendency to exaggerate the negative. Mm-hmm. which led to the fight upstairs today at lunch, <laughs> which is, you know, somebody ruined somebody's lunch and it was a negative, but it feels like the end of the world. And so, you know, being able to find ways to talk them through that and, okay, are we exaggerating this a little bit? And, like, you know, and don't minimize it either. Oh, it's just soup. But like for them, it, it still is important. And so we want to find that balance and be able to look at things truthfully for them and help them that way. So those are two big ones to kind of help and and watch your kids with. Um, in social situations, sometimes we're worrying too much or we care too much what other people think. And so that can create a lot of shyness or, you know, a tendency to kind of withdraw and worry about saying something dumb. And you see this a lot more, I think in teenagers yeah. that become more aware of, of social situations and social stigma and, Saying the right
0: thing, all all, the wrong thing. All of the
1: right or the wrong thing. Wearing the
0: right thing.
1: You know, and it does become easy to lose yourself trying to please everybody Mm -hmm. else. And so, you know, that one, I, I usually work with people. And the trick really is that, everybody is going around worried what other people are thinking of them I mean that's that's kind of what we do we it's like well I'm gonna do this podcast and we're recording what shirt should I wear today and what you know and what should we do and so we're always kind of going around wondering what people are thinking about
0: we had this talk just the other day about running that oh, yeah if you're running on a trail and you want to walk you have to wait till you pass the person coming at you because yeah. of, you you don't want to like be seen as weak. And be walking. Yep. Just a silly little thing that we both just admitted we do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I will wait till nobody is around uh-huh. when I, <laughs> to to start walking more often than not. You know, kind of look all over the place and then and then walk for a little bit. And so so yeah, we all have a tendency to do this and and really if we can just help particularly our teenage children understand that they're great, be themselves, and that actually, you know, if we can get outside of worrying what other people are thinking and move towards just caring about others, being nice, being kind, being complimentary, that's going to go a lot further and, and help us develop confidence, um, than just kind of withdrawing and and not saying anything. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's some common ones and particularly for younger children, there, there are some resources and I can have Karn put those in, um, in, in the podcast and, and wherever she's, uh, in our show notes. In, this, in the that. show notes. Yes. Um, and so th- I think it's called the Copycat Workbook and stuff like that. And so there, there are some fun little workbooks that we you have can We have a give little for, one for kids, for
0: kids too. I can't remember the title of it right now, but our doctor recommended it. I'll look it up and add it, but it's a cute little like When I Worry Too Much or something yeah. like that.
1: There's some good resources yeah, out there. And it's
0: been good for my, my, our LC has struggled a little with anxiety over the years. And I mean, not intensely, but enough that. Yeah. It's been good to
1: just talk her through situations and that was a good one so yeah we'll do some resources look at them some are workbooks and they can be a little bit more in depth sometimes it's nice just to have some things that that are pretty simple and can kind of help them out and you know again if that doesn't seem to help a whole lot it might be nice to get in with a therapist who knows how to work with with children or teenage and or teenagers and, and kind of help them
0: so I have another that. question Um, do anxiety and depression tend to go together? Is that like an overlap often?
1: Or does it lead to? Sometimes. Yeah, the second one is correct. What I've seen a lot is that people who are experiencing like chronic anxiety, where they're, they're anxious, a lot, just all of that negativity and that worry starts to seep in. And oftentimes, it will start to lead to more depressive thoughts and feelings. And so you can see that that anxiety will sometimes lead to depression and depression sometimes can lead to anxiety. I mean, and sometimes they're a little bit similar in what the symptoms are. And so you have to tease that out a little bit and, and, and see, you know, exactly what someone's going through. But, but yeah, sometimes they'll, they'll play into each other a little bit, but not always. Sometimes you just have reasons that you're, you know, more prone to depression or that you have depression and anxiety both, but they're coming kind of from different places. And and so you work on it that way. Mm-hmm. It may be that the depression is, you know, a family history trait or something like that. And and so, you know, they may just be experiencing that, but then anxiety because of other things that are going on in their lives or, or whatever. And so um, I will say you brought up depression, but, if any of your children have ADHD, um, I have seen a lot of um, whether it's causation or correlation, but a lot of correlation between ADHD and anxiety. Oh, interesting. And, okay. And it, you know, again, a lot of children may go undiagnosed or or untreated, but you know, their world is just scattered a lot of mm-hmm. times, and we live in a world and maybe you know, particularly in homeschooling where it's, you know, you're at home, but your room's got to be clean and you've got to do all of this stuff and you've got to do your homework and, you know, and, and all of these things that you have to do.
0: And often poor little struggling ADHD kids struggle with all of those things and accomplishing those things in the day every day.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, asking them to clean their room is the equivalent to, you know, asking Climbing one of a us mountain. to climb a mountain or, mm-hmm. or fix the, the nation's debt, or you know, cure the pandemic—kind of a thing. you like, where do we even start with those kind of things? And, and oftentimes, as adults, we're like, well, just do this and do this and do this, and and that. It's a lot harder for the for them to be able to to mentally um, break those things down and and organize it in a way that that would be effective. And so then they get in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. because. You know they're not doing everything that they should be doing, and so you'll sometimes see um, those two go together as well.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. It makes me think a lot of our our son Burton, who definitely has ADHD. He's we have a couple of diagnosed ADHD kiddos, and And one uh,
1: that probably still one that
0: probably is, but we haven't done anything there yet. But he he struggles the most, I would say, with with order and cleanliness and focus, and he just gets so easily distracted. And yeah, like math, for instance, turns into this just emotional thing every day because he has to focus and he has to really like sit and think through and and not get distracted by whatever's going on because then he can't accomplish it. And so that's always the hardest part of his day, that and cleaning his room,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which you wouldn't think it would be that hard. Every day they clean it, but every day it's somehow this chaotic disaster again. That needs cleaning again. <laughs> I don't know what he does clean in there. It. Every day they uh, clean. Yeah, clean is relative, depending on who says it. But but yeah, it and it does lead to a lot of anxiety and stress for him, those things. And um and I think also has led to other possibly other like stomach and other issues mm-hmm. that he's going through could be related as well. We don't know. We're figuring him out. But yeah, that's a tough one.
1: So yeah. yeah. So a few different things that can definitely trigger or play into that anxiety for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts before we say goodbye to our friends here?
1: I mean, really quick, from some of your notes, um, you know, if they have a fear of certain things, um, they're, they're different. You can do kind of different types of exposure therapy. I mean, therapy can really be helpful, whether it's exposure therapy Um, The clinical term that we often use is systematic desensitization, Mm -hmm. which is where, you know, someone comes in and they're deathly afraid. Well, and I can use some experiences. I've had kids come in who are deathly afraid of vomit for some reason. And (laughs) and so what we would do, I would just grab my computer or whatever. And we started with just vomiting sounds. And I would just play different <laughs> vomiting sounds. And at first that would like cause them a lot of anxiety. And we do a lot of the same stress reduction and be like, okay, this is just a recording. It's okay. You don't have to see anything. It's just vomiting sounds, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and so oh. we would play that for a while and it's not a pretty thing, but it's, but you play that for a while till they get a little bit more comfortable. And It's like, all right, we're not going to do videos, but what we're going to do is we're just going to look at where somebody has vomited and you find a picture of where, you know, somebody maybe has vomited. You can do this with snakes and you can start with, you know, a toy snake or pictures of snakes or, you know, whatever it is. And then slowly you take steps to where it's like, okay, now we have this snake, but it's way over in this far corner of the room. You can just look at it and, and you progressively help them become more and more comfortable um, with those things. I think more common and maybe a struggle for a lot of parents is, um, are with children who have separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of parents that are like, oh my gosh, my child is five and he has slept in our bed since he was born. He or she was born. And so you do a lot of the similar things where it's like, okay, you're five years old. We're gonna let you sleep on the floor right next to our bed. And you let them do that for a couple of weeks. And then it's like, you move him another five feet. And it's like, okay, now you're gonna sleep by the doorway with the door open in our room. And then the next one might be you're going to sleep in the hallway, but our door will be open and then we're going to close the door. And then, you know, and you progressively move them to their bed and eventually um, a lot of times you're able to get there. But a lot of therapists can kind of help out with that and kind of break down some of those things. But, yeah, when you have a fear of certain things, um, being able to kind of face those fears and and have that experience and be able to see that that they're not going to kill you or harm you in the way that you may feel like mm-hmm. they're going to. Um, we that, had a little friend helpful.
0: of one of our kids come over. He was deathly afraid of animals. Like he, he was afraid to come into our door unless he knew we didn't have a dog or a cat and we have a cat. And so we had to put the cat in the garage and he, if the cat were outside, he wouldn't go outside in our yard. He was so afraid of these animals and, I don't, I don't know if that comes from something or if it's just like in you, I don't know, maybe both. Sometimes,
1: but. yeah, it could be an experience where you've had a bad experience with a dog or a cat or an animal. Sometimes it just may be a fear that you've developed somehow <laughs> yeah. Would you watch something on TV or yeah. you're just afraid. And, and a lot of it is just not having experience, you know. You know, there are mean dogs who will bite you, but there are a lot of really, really nice dogs that, mm-hmm. you know, would never do that. And so you, it's about getting that experience with those scary situations. And that's really anything, yeah. social situations, animals, other phobias or fears and, you know, being able to do it with wisdom and balance so that, you know, obviously, well, I'm afraid of falling, you know, off of skyscrapers. So I'm going to, you know, really push my fear by balancing along the edge of a skyscraper. I mean, there are certain things you don't want to do, you know, out of ignorance or stupidity, but there are a lot of things in day-to-day life that we, you know, as we have more experiences, we can grow more confident. And and yeah. that helps with our anxiety.
0: Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Chatting with me today. I love learning from you and hopefully that helps some of you who are listening and are struggling with this with your own children. And we hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Thank you for listening to Called to Home School. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd love to hear your comments or questions. You can find all our show notes on calledtohome.com.